You're listening to Super Power Up with multidimensional master, superpower expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Tonya Donrekla. If you're ready to disrupt reality, then sit down, strap in, and prepare to experience the show that proves there is no spoon. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I am delighted you all are in for a super yummy treat here today. Um, so we're talking today. I'm not even going to tell you who we're talking to. Of course, you know already because it's in the you know materials. But right now, just just go with me on this. So today we're going to be talking about finding spiritual intelligence in folklore. And the reason we're talking about this today is because I think it's so easy for people to kind of feel like they're walking these like two different paths, right? They've got like their spiritual existence over here, but then they've got real life over here. Real life typically means bills and jobs and responsibilities. And the biggest challenge in this work and in these journeys is figuring out how to integrate all of that together and and make the magical and the mystical your real life, right? Because we're taught that that's not possible. And in so many ways, we're taught that and programmed that and it, it feels very irresponsible and we have to be adults and adult means you have to be miserable and all of these other things, right? And so many of us are, are, are walking a completely different journey and we take that seriously. You know, we're going to show you that it's possible. We're going to tell you how it's possible. We're going to talk about how, how we got there and, and what our journey led us to and why we think it's important for the collective and the planet and everything else going on and, and where all of the magic and the solutions and the miracles lie is on the other side of that integration. And so, so while, while it's easy to kind of wipe it away as like, oh, no, we're going to talk about stories. We, we are our stories. You know, our world is, is crafted by stories. And we've been telling some pretty crappy stories. And so I, for one, am in the mood to sell, tell some better ones. And the way that we do that is even entertain the notion that there is a different way to go about things and that it is okay to do and we can be courageous in that. And, and this woman we're speaking to today is you know, single-handedly lighting the way and guiding us all into this space in such a beautiful, beautiful way. Ayn Kate Sullivan, Dr. Ayn Kate Sullivan, she has a master's degree, a PhD. She, she knows this stuff. She's lived it. She's walked it. She writes it. She guides others into it. And, and, and what she's doing is, is taking those, those kind of juxtaposed or seemingly juxtaposed worlds and saying, wait, but look, like, look how one informs the other. And, and we had um, a delightful pre, pre-recorded conversation that we probably should have just recorded. Um, but we're going we're gonna to enliven that for you all, for the audience. Um, but she's won no less than over 30 literary awards for her work in mythology and folklore. And, and so, so the second a piece of your mind wants to chime in and think, oh, well, this is just, you know, fluffy whatnot. Let, let, let's really let that sink in for a second. In the study of this, in the work of this, we are nothing but our worlds are shaped by nothing but our stories. And, and if we don't get that and take some ownership and responsibility for it and start looking at where were there other stories and how were those shaped and why did those come about and what have we forgotten and what are we not carrying forward, then we're really missing an opportunity for the richness of this the, the world that all of us sense exists, but maybe we're not seeing right in front of our faces. So I'm really, really excited about this conversation, and and I invite you to just play with us during this call. Just just forget what you think you know about how reality works and how things come together, and just just sit in this moment with us and 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 say, what if, you know, what what if we can just play in the magic and be in that and and really use that and work it and and be in that here. And 
Um, and I think you're going to find a really rich, rich experience with us today. So thank you for joining us. And Anne, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very, very excited about this uh, new soul sister I found here. And um, I'm excited about the conversation. So thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it. So I know that like in my, in my excitement, I, I didn't mention that you, you're the author of 10 books, that, that you, know, you write about Legends of the Grail, the Heroes of Avalon. Like, like I, I probably missed some pretty ex- important details, but I think it'll come out as, as we get talking um, because you're such a wealth of information and you hold and carry so much um, that, that as a collective, we all, we all need right now. Um, and, and so know that, that, that I'd love, my intention is to get into that. But first, we're going to ask you our, our, our question. Uh, what are your superpowers? Well, my superpowers are in the realm of air. And so if you think for a moment, I have this very long, thin swan feather with a pointed tip. Mm. And uh, my superpowers come through when I, when I call the swan. And so we're going to to just shift for a moment into this realm of the imaginal, to start here straight away. Because in the Celtic tradition, what happens when you call upon the wild swan? You can go down to the edge of the lake, and it's right at sunset, and you call the wild swan to you, and she might give you one of her feathers. And if you're lucky, and if you're looking for something that might be lost in your soul or in your psyche, something that's happened, you can you can board the white swan, you, you climb upon her back, and she flies between the cracks of the world. And all night long, you, you fly with the swan as she turns black. And you gather up all, all the pieces of your soul from the times that you've had shock and trauma or upset, whatever's happened to you. And you gather up all those pieces, and as the, as the sun rises, you fly back in. She turns white again, and you, you have arrived whole, your grail, your true mm. self, with your swan feather. So that's my superpower, to fly with the white mm. swan. <laughs> wow, that is a wonderful, lovely superpower. And I, I so honor you and appreciate you for sharing it as generously as you do with the world. Um, and and through, through your books, right, through your writing, how, how did you get drawn into that as your medium? Oh, well, with your wonderful daughter that you have, you'll understand this. When I, when I was eight years old, I walked upstairs and I said to my parents, I'm on earth to be a mystic poet. And they said, um, I don't know how you're going to make money doing that. That's nice said, here. <laughs> right. That's why I'm here. Uh, oh, that's so. awesome. <laughs> And on it went. I mean, it really, I, um, you know, I think when we're on our life purpose and mission, when we can really tune into it, even if it seems outrageous, if we follow it, the red carpet unfolds. You know, so I, I got a fellowship to Columbia and I got overseas research award to King's College London. And, and then I was given stipends to go collect folklore. I wasn't even really planning on collecting folklore. It just, it's, it's just what rolled out. And it was mm. fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Mm, just the richness in that I can imagine they um, I'm laughing because I remember Neva was about two maybe three and she woke up and um Friday you know in the morning and, and came to me and and demanded to know what a soulmate is and I was like what <laughs> she goes what's a soulmate and I was like what are you talking about and she'd had this vision this dream of her sister 
um, uh, with with uh, a, a mate, and she kept telling Neva that it was her soulmate, but Neva sensed that it wasn't a good fit for, her and she was just fit to be tied. And she's like, "I need to understand what this is." And I'm like, "Of course you do. Like, <laughs> why not? You know." And, and our rule, you know, just our, our rule in our house is kind of it. If she if she asks the question, then she's ready to hear the information. And so we, you know, of course we talked to her about it and everything else. And she, I mean, she was just livid. It was, it was I'm like, Oh, I think we're getting an indicator of where this one's going. <laughs> I think it's great. So and you I, know what? I, I think if we're, if, if we can keep not only our own children awake and alive and allow them to ask these questions that might seem really outrageous, but they're great questions. You know, it keeps our own wondrous inner child alive too, because you know, in yeah. the in folklore, like Percival, he you have to ask the right questions to get the Holy Grail, even if they seem outrageous. And so, you know, our culture does like to shut things down, and I think our job is to just bust it right back open. <laughs> let's let the kid let ask those questions. You know, let's let yeah. ask. We want to the answer. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a good descriptor of at least what my experience with it has been. Like, we're just going to walk right through this, I think. And it, well, and, and it's having the courage, you know, speaking exactly to what you just said. Like, I, you know, I have this living, breathing, mini me mirror every single moment of what I, I'm, I'm, I'm both healing and rewriting my past through her. I'm watching others do the same. Like, and if you allow for it to, you see so much of yourself in everyone, but undeniably, I think in the ones closest to us, you know, the, it, you, we would be fools to not see the synchronicities of, um, you know, the patterns that come forward, Absolutely. the words, the, the curiosities. And, and just, you know, this is, um, you and I talked a little bit before the call about a method that we use called the inside out game. And part of the reason why we do that is we, we train people to use their internal experiences, their internal world um, and their external world kind of overlaid on top of each other because it, it creates this really rich environment for full comprehension of, of who we are and what we're experiencing and what we create. And when, and when you look to your children, it's you see the, the complexities and all of the layers that we exist in. And then of course you get into concepts like oneness and you start to play with that and it's like whoa but you are me and i am you and it's like whoa what's happening here you know did i create you did you create me and we, we have some really interesting dinner conversations because of it um but it's but it's it's it, the wealth of experience the richness of the experience overrides any fear that we're all just crazy and drink the same kool-aid you know and so <laughs> so at some point there is this crossover where you're like i i wouldn't go back to living the you know in a, in that kind of more limited fearful space you know no matter what somebody offered me at this stage but i can remember in that transition thinking that it was like this life or death like this this what am i doing and oh my gosh like what i'm i'm getting ready to jump into this abyss and i don't have any idea what i'm doing and then you get there and you're like oh that wasn't that big of a deal and this is pretty natural like <laughs> this feels kind of cool you know and so it's you know a lot of you i know listening to the show are facing that exact decision like are you are you going to have the courage and invoke the courage to kind of step into it? And I think the work that AIM does in the world around the heroes and the heroines is, is like, what can we pull from that? You know, how do we gain courage and awareness and insight and, and maybe even, even instruction, if you will, like, how do we do this um, from those stories? And, and they came to our collective consciousness for a reason. Um, how do you, you know, I know you work with folks in, in terms of integrating some of these concepts into their existence. How did you like to, like to come up and say, okay, I'm going to be a mystical poet. And then, and, but then to be like, oh, and I'm also going to guide others to use this information in a real way here in the world. Like, how did that unfold for you? 
That's a big question. There, there's one thing I want to, to bring forward just now that's it's a term, and I think it's important for people to know. It's called ontological shock. And um, I'll say it again, it's ontological shock. And it's, it's a term we need to know when we're in the process of awakening. So that would be more from my psychological side. I have a master's in spiritual psychology. But the thing is this, when you, when you start to wake up, you, there, so collectively there hasn't been a way for medicine women and medicine men or, or people who have visions to really operate well in this culture. There tend to be, mm-hmm. you know, we tend to call them crazy. And where if you go into indigenous cultures, those people are shaman, you know, or, or they're, they're druids or they're something. They hold a vision for the, for the collective. And for some reason, we lost that. So part of what I feel the awakening is, is allowing a lot of the pieces, like we're talking about the white swan, to allow those pieces that might really be very powerful pieces. You know, our ability not only to see uh, externally, but to see the in-world. So we were talking about the in-world and the external world. So um, the, when I work with people, what I, what I help them do is develop a very strong connection through meditation practices and visualizations and so forth to their inner realms. And not be su- don't be surprised if you're in deep meditation and you hear a message. No, you're not schizophrenic. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. There's actually such thing as inner guidance and it does come from within, you know, and, Mm. and when you're on a quest, when you're on, I take people on heroine's quests, which you actually with your two feet, but you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared and have this. I I want people to be 60% in and 40% out. Mm. Then you can be very creative, very solid, you know who you well, are. We, yeah, <laughs> right. We we talk a lot about you know a lot of people love the 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 expansion game, right? They want to go out high and out, and they want to like discover things, and and as long as it's outside of themselves, they're comfortable doing it. And and we contend that you can only go as far up and out as you're willing to go down and deep. And and that that's the that's that inside out game is like you'll always hit a threshold of your ability to comprehend and to live and embody stuff if you're not willing to go even deeper within yourself and, and, and shine light in those, in the, on those shadows and look in the darkness and see what's there and, um, and use the t- techniques that you're learning in that expansive space um, internally also. And that's that a lot of people, um, you know, aren't real comfortable with that because we're, you know, we're trained, you know, not to, not to look too closely at ourselves. Um, you know, well, we God have. only knows what you might find there. <laughs> exactly. In some way we've, we're, we've been a, a severed tree, you know, in the, in the Celtic tradition, one thing that's really lovely, if you look at it, is that there's a, the tree of life that they have in that, that particular tradition. You have the, usually it's an oak tree and it go or an ash and it goes all the way up. And then, then there, it's reflected in its roots below so you have one circle that's a tree and and the roots of the tree are just as important as the branches and the leaves and of course Mm -hmm. also the trunk and so when when you're working with developing the inner world we usually actually start with the roots uh in in the celtic tradition they they actually have and this is sort of more Welsh tradition, but they call the underworld a place called, it's a noon in some traditions. And in Arthurian legend, you ride to the underworld to find your hallows. And if you think about it sort of more practically in this, in this stage, you're finding your sort of truth. And that's just basically your ability to be discerning. 
when you're with someone, are they, you know, can you trust them? Are they telling you the truth? So you need that ability, which is sort of an airy ability to, to be able to read someone and trust them. Mm. And you need your spear. Those are both, and those are both sort of masculine qualities. Your spear is, is, is your ability to, to receive insight, um, but also your ability to act. And so if you're, a, if you're a warrior, you really definitely need your, your spear. You need your fire. And then there are two feminine qualities. So I, my series that I just finished is, is the grail, and that, that's the water equality. And so if you're working with grail, it's about feeling, and it's about intuition, and it's about realizing that your body, if you can, you can really trust your body to tell you what's happening. You can walk into a place, and you know if you feel comfortable or you feel uncomfortable. And if you can really learn that, if you can, we can learn to listen to ourselves we know where to walk. We know mm-hmm. not to be in certain places where something's going to happen. And we know to be in other places where good things are going to happen. And so mm-hmm. really learning to trust ourselves has not been part of what we've really been doing in our culture, but something that's very important, especially for our children. And then the, the, the fourth part of, of that would be the hallow, would be the, the, the crystal or the stone. Um, and, I, and if you think about it, it's just getting your feet on the earth, you know, this, this lovely earth that we're on that we really need to, to learn to walk in harmony with. And so one of the things that I, that I started doing with collecting folklore, and it surprised me. That's why I was back to the ontological shock. When I was collecting folklore in Ireland, first of all, I thought there'd be a ton of people there, all these famous characters. Nobody was there except like sheep and cows. And <laughs> Wait a second. So, you know, I'm walking in these wild, it's raining, you know, it's occasional crow flying past. And, and so you kind of, you can when you're, you're alone and you're in the forest and you I'm in the edge of the Western world. So here, here it is, the west of Ireland, and you just got the Atlantic on the other side, all the way across to the United States. And the trees kind of creak. You know, they, they're kind of, you can even see them, they're twisted and kind of gnarled. And, and, and I was looking at this one particular turla, which is a, a seasonal lake. And, I, and it's where W.B. Yeats, is a very famous poet, Irish poet, and I was mm-hmm. looking at the lake going, I completely understand why the wild swans of cool came from this lake, why that poem arose mm-hmm. here. And it was at that moment that I went, ah, it, mm-hmm. there are stories that are etched into the land. And when we stand in those places, we know what's come before. And it's a very sort of bardish, Irish thought pattern and I know I came back to my tutor at King's College London and I'm talking to her about it and she's like don't put that in your thesis (laughs) 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 we're gonna stick to fact uh, you know and and it was funny because when I you know I did I did do my my academic thesis but this is you'll you'll enjoy this while I it took me ages to get this thesis together it just getting a PhD in England at, at King's College London is not easy first of all you have to use the English language not Americanisms, but mm-hmm. yeah, even the spelling, right? So, and you have to prove that you're an expert in a field. Meanwhile, I'm going around with my daughter, who was, I think, two or three at the time, and and she's like your daughter. She's walking over to the sacred stones and she's putting her hands on them and going, "Mom, the stone sings," you know. <laughs> mm, oh, how funny! <laughs> right? <laughs> Can you hear what it's saying to you? You know, and I, and I'm. I'm meanwhile loving it. So when I when I finally put this series together that I just 
this hair of Alon Hales, which Arthurian legend, and then some older older Welsh goddesses, and then the earlier one, Legends of the Grail, stories of Celtic goddesses. Yeah, as I was um as I was doing this, uh, I lo- I loved this play of the childlike quality and then the academia sort of merging mm-hmm. together. It's giving me some kind of solidity. When I handed it to my tutor, you know. I said, you're not going to like what I've done. I've put these <laughs> together in fictional form. I've done exactly what you've told me not to do. And she said, oh, it's fantastic. I love it. Can I write the forward? So, <laughs> so I got away with it in the end. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I want to hear so much more about this. We do need to take a quick break here. Um, where can people go to find out more about you? Oh, you can go onto my website, and my first name is spelled A-Y-N. So if you type in A-Y-N, I generally come up. Uh, Ann Kate Sullivan or AnnKateSullivan.com, and I've got events, and you can look at all my, my books that are up there and podcasts and uh, contact me through there. So And Amazon, oh, Barnes & Noble. I'm easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll have links on the site here, folks. We're talking with... Ain Kate Sullivan about finding spiritual intelligence in folk- folklore. I told you you were in for a treat. So when we come back from the break, we're going to dive even more deeply into this work. So stay with us, folks. You don't want to miss it. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Awesome. We're back. You're listening to the Superpower Up podcast, the Disrupt Reality series. We're talking with Ian Kate Sullivan today about finding spiritual intelligence in folklore. And as she identified prior to the break, like this wealth of information, right, the experiences we get to have. The, and, and, and what strikes me in listening to you is, first of all, I totally commiserate. I, I, I didn't get a PhD, but wrote two different master level theses. And I feel your pain, like, like certainly <laughs> not... In, in the Queen's English for sure, but you know, it's like, it, it was a process and a half, right? Especially I think for those of us who love discovery, like I never felt like I had enough. Like what if, what if there was one more stone I hadn't overturned? What if, you know, it was like, finally it was like, you just have to start writing. And I'm like, no, like I loved the, the research and the discovery and just, just being in that um, space, the culminating of it got a little bit precarious, which, which actually is, is interesting because one of the challenges we found in, um, in business coming when we came out of government was the divergent thinkers were having trouble converging around the divergent ideas and convergent thinkers weren't divergent enough. And so it's interesting that that I think is overlaid on top of this discovery process for, for divergence. Um, we do tend to have a, a, a tendency to not necessarily want to encapsulate it and, 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 and frame it and, and, and put it into time and space. And, I really had to work through being okay with the fact that kind of good enough is good enough and, and letting it be um, kind of date time stamping it to use a military term and like the, the, the time and space continuum there of like, this is what it is right here with the understanding that I have knowing that it was going to change, knowing that it was more, knowing that there's always additional layers, but the convergence piece, especially when we're wanting to create change in the world, 
is so incredibly crucial, but it's so antithetical to um, how a lot of us walk through the world. And so, so uh, that was kind of a real sidebar. Anyway, my question to you is um, in, in the, you know, kind of, kind of fleshing this stuff out and, and really being in that, I know for me, there was a very clear moment of, am I willing to play? Um, and, and given some of the worlds that I came from that, that was more of a, of a challenging question than maybe for some, um, it feels like your life had a, an element of play too, but surely uh, I'm going to just kind of overlay my experience on top of yours, I guess. But, but was there a moment of like how kind of deep down this rabbit hole am I willing to go? And, um, you, you know, that, that, that exactly the ontological shock piece, like, like what is it that allows some of us to cross that threshold and others not to? I, th- I think the ontological shock piece happens when when you're in the forest and you actually meet a fairy, you know, when you go, ah, oh, mm-hmm. maybe this isn't a make-believe. That, that's, mm. that's the part where, where it starts. Well, but some be- people still wipe it away, right? Like, well, it, it, was, it was a flash of light or something in my eye or what I like. Like even mm-hmm. face, in the face of the miraculous, mm-hmm. people still disbelieve. Well, if you, if you think about it for a moment, like I really felt, um, and I'd like to tell you the story of Skyach to, to anchor this in, but just, just to sort of run up to it. You know, when, when you see the archetypes and say, like this moment I'm standing in, in the West Ireland and I'm feeling, I'm feeling this turla and I'm feeling this energy and the stories that are etched into the land, right? So it's, you start to feel it in your body. You go, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. you know, this is something maybe I haven't experienced before. They call these places the thin places. So you're standing there and you're feeling this and you go, you know, and that, that's the moment you can either shut it down, you can just shut it down and you just, okay, you stay in your normal reality or you go, okay, I'm, I'm going to actually follow the mystic poets right here and I'm going to go someplace that's unfamiliar. And mm-hmm. at that point, you can open up to, like the easiest way for us to think about them are archetypal, uh, an archetypal presence. Like we think of, of Merlin, you know, for instance, is mm-hmm. Merlin real? There are people that carry the Merlin archetype. There are people that carry the King Arthur archetype or the Guinevere archetype. We all carry, all of us tend to carry at least one archetype. And if actually we know what archetype we're carrying, we tend to know how our life is going to unfold. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of interesting but back to the hero heroine archetype i want to share a story with you i think you'll you'll enjoy and it's in the first book the legends of the grail stories of celtic goddesses so in the irish tradition there's a very famous hero named kuhulan of merhevna it's quite a mouthful but that is a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) now kuhulan he got his name because um uh, as a 10-year-old boy, he was such a ferocious warrior that, he, that a huge white dog attacked him and he, and he actually killed the dog. So he had to, to take the place of the dog. So he was known as the mm. white dog, Kuhulan of Merhevna. And he had to defend a fortress as this child until he was <laughs> ready to step into his true hero self. Now, Kuhulan fell in love with this beautiful woman named Emer. And Emer was known, she was just known as the great, the great beauty of our Ireland. So she was, in, in all these Celtic traditions, you'll find that there's a May queen, and she's just the flower of the land. And so he, he wants to go to marry her, and um, her father says, well, if you want my daughter, 
you're going to have to go and train with Skyach. And of course, everyone shudders because Skyach is this Scottish sorceress. She's a warrior goddess. And you don't know what's going to happen when you meet her. But Cuhulan, being who he is, says, absolutely. So he jumps in his kira, his little boat, and he sails through the Celtic Sea. And he gets up to the Isle of Skye, which is all covered in mist. And he looks across, and there's a 22-foot ravine that you have to jump. And being in the military, you'd understand. This is a feat, right? So you have to jump For sure. And and he's looking down and he's seeing these skulls and there's a sort of bucking bridge that leads up to it and then there are these skulls and he goes and he leaps he does it he makes the leap and there she is standing waiting for him and she's got this long black hair and she's got a dagger and she's reading him and she's she's going to see is he is he a loser is she going to throw him down into the into the rocks below or is he does he have what it takes to become a hero and if that case you know she's going to lead him into the forest so that he can find his magic so as he jumps she goes aha this is the one i've been waiting for and so she she runs off into the forest and in the story, he has to handle a bunch of different initiations that only the goddess of the land can give him because, you see, she's magical, and she has what he doesn't have. She can cast a glamour. She can talk to the wind. She can talk to the elements. She, she knows how to bring his magic to him so that when he's ready to fully go into battle, he has not only his masculine strength and prowess and organizational abilities and all these things, but he also has his feminine magic. So. Mm. Right. Well, and that, like the initiation source, <laughs> right? And that, it's beautiful. And it's, and, 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 you know, one of my soapboxes for a while was around this kind of um, prolonged adolescence that we, that we experience, I think, in a lot of developed countries and where we've gotten away from any sort of initiation rights and kind of traversing and adventure and, and these kind of, there, there's a, there's a price, right? There, the price is being willing to, to step away from what you've known and step into this new and, and there, there's this always this threshold that gets crossed. And, and I do think that um, we're, we're lacking some of that, right? I remember, you know, I was, I had been, you know, I got my master's degree. I had been a soldier. I was an agent and, and then I got married and then I had a kid. I'm like, at what point do I start feeling like an adult? Like I, where, what <laughs> is it that I have to do to where it like sinks into my brain that it's like, oh yeah, I'm an adult now because there's this, there, you know, there's this just kind of, um, you know, and maybe that, that is its test, honestly, is, is that until you're willing to kind of own that for yourself, it's not going to be put upon you externally. Um, but there's maybe there's value in it being a completely internal game. It's not, it's not required by society in, in most developed countries, but you know, perhaps, perhaps that's an evolved version of that. I don't know. I certainly didn't see it when I was standing on that soapbox. Like it really felt like we had lost something um, pure and magical and, and powerful. Um, but as I'm reflecting on it, may, maybe that's just its own story and its own limited version of the truth. Um, but I do think that the wealth of information that we pull from folklore and, and, and mythologies and all the various ways that we try to make sense of the world is um, there's real wealth in that. I mean, just listening to you talk, like, it's undeniable that as you, you that you eat, breathe, and sleep this, and you are this, and there's this um, real richness um, in it, you know, real yumminess to kind of swim around in of 
that, that I think we're, um, you know, that we are all hungry for and, and how, you, you know, it's hard to see sometimes when you, you know, you have your nine to five job and your kids go to school and da, 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 And it's like, you don't even feel like you have a minute to breathe. And here you are telling stories of traipsing through and seeing fairies and all this other stuff. Like there, sometimes I know for some folks, it feels like those worlds are so incredibly separated and so far apart. Um, you know, and there's magic in weaving them together. What if people are listening to you right now and their, their experience of their lives has been anything but that, how can they start taking some steps into that space? You know, this journey started for me, the, the true journey into the, the world of folklore. It, it didn't really start the day that I, um, was told I had I had to go and, and and do something that I had to go collect these stories. It, it really I think it started for me early on when my grandmother was you know in her kitchen when she's sitting and she's stirring her pot by the stove and this this the steam's kind of coming up and 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 we actually have a land grant in in Virginia from the King of England and and the, our ancestors are buried in the backyard there <laughs> so so it's um so i knew i had this this deep history and there was a certain point when i was in england and everything was going right you know i had i had this degree everything was healthy uh, my relationship was good everything was right but there was this emptiness inside that i couldn't quite deal with and and I think maybe this is one of the threshold times that you're talking about where I'm teetering. I, I was an academic. I was a little bit worried about being too far out there, which I guess I got over. But <laughs> anyway, at the time I was teetering and, I, and, I, and I'm like, what is, what is this part of me that's so sad? Like, what is this? Like, why, what is this emptiness? And I think what I decided to do was to, ask it questions, which we, you know, we can call gestalt. They're actually names for this sort of thing where you actually go inside and you start saying, well, who are you and why are you empty? And, and it was loss, you know, there was this feeling of deep loss. And I think it really was my disconnection from the land that who knows where it came from, you know, Maybe, maybe it was just being in an academic environment and being too heady. I don't know. But I really, all of a sudden when I started to respond to it and I went, oh, I can take my shoes off and walk with the sacred, sacred stones and suddenly I feel differently. Now, it, you know, sort of back to the sort of everyday world, when I, you know, just after that was a single mother raising a child by myself and trying to do all this and really had no time for anything, it was so good to be able to do the dishes while singing or do the dishes while listening to folklore. I also just love listening to folklore. I just put, I'll put audibles on and just listen to all kinds of people tell stories because, you know, in the old bardic sense, if we go back to a time when we were really rooted and we really did have uh, uh, initiation periods and we really thought about all the you know the nine-year-old change and the 12-year-old change and the you know these different phases that we go through even even death you know we have that final change uh, uh, the, the bards were required to learn 250 stories of their people you weren't called a bard until you knew that many stories and there was a reason behind it. They're not fluffy. They, I mean, some of them are. But it, the basic reason was that if you knew that many stories, you, you had what it took when you were confronted with, this, with, with a difficult situation. 
something happens. And if you know the story, you go, ah, this is how I respond because you know how the heroes and the heroines in your tradition react. And so I think this is very important. And, and in that, that same Celtic tradition, it was only after that amount of time when you'd learned that many stories or you had so many PhDs, right, <laughs> um, that you were able to, to then become maybe a person you listened to. So over a 20-year period, there, w- there was something that you would actually do, a way that you would step through so that you would eventually become the hero or heroine, the leader of your tribe. And, and you had the full tree. You had your roots. You knew your ancestors. You, you had the upper branches. You knew your guardians and who, who you know, you knew the people that, or the beings that were guiding you or your own you know, direct intelligence. And so you were a whole being when you stepped out and started calling yourself a teacher or healer. And, you know, and I think in our, our culture, a lot of people take weekend workshops and then boom, right? And it's... It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it feels like this would be a really bad conversation for you and I to get on about it. Absolutely. I cannot agree with you more. This is, yes, please continue your thought, but I, I'm, I'm dying over here laughing. <laughs> Well, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I don't want to stop anyone from their process. I, you know, we all have a way of unfolding and it's all different and it's wonderful, but getting your roots and getting your tradition, I think is very, very important. And sometimes it's great just to turn on your phone and just record yourself speaking. Like what kind of stories are you telling? Are you Mm telling, are you telling stories that are empowering you? Even, even, you know, we can have quite difficult stories about the past. That was one thing I have in, um, Actually, heroines of Avalon and other tales. There's a story of of Blue Diwith, and Blue Diwith is accused of being a murderer and an adulteress. And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to work with this one? <laughs> but it, but in the process of getting to know her and working with her story, you absolutely understand why she does what she does. You know, <laughs> and she gets to also mm-hmm. choose again. But we realize in the retelling of her tale, we actually, even if something really difficult has happened to us, we can choose how we speak about it. We can say, mm. that was a, a learning experience and this is what I got out of it, instead of telling a tale of bitterness. And so one thing I think mm-hmm. Blue Iowa teaches us is forgiveness is really important because the moment we forgive someone, we, we just drop heavy suitcases. We drop mm-hmm. things that we no longer need and we free ourselves to live a beautiful life. We don't need to carry difficult stories around with us. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the really powerful things around storytelling. Also, you can change your archetype. I mean, you can be living a, I mean, to do a different tradition, we, most of us know Persephone. We can be living, and she tends to take us down sort of drug addict route, you know, <laughs> and you can go, wait, 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 wait a second, I, I don't really want to hang out in the underworld uh, all the time. Um, maybe, maybe I'd rather carry a Pallas Athena archetype and um, be a contribution to humanity. So, so you know, we, people in a way want to dismiss folklore, but if you think about it, like the story of the Kaleach, which is in Legends of the Grail, the last story in Legends of the Grail, it's the old woman of the world. Now, this is a 10,000-year-old story. It's been told by generation and generation and generation for over 10,000 years. You know, we get 100 if we're lucky, so she's very old. And so when, so when we're connected to these ancient archetypes, in some way we become wiser. 
We're connecting to this ancient lineage that can inform us now. And the old woman of the world, the Kaliach, who you find if you go questing, if you do the heroine's quest, you know, she, she's the one that has a big pot and she stirs all the seeds of the world, but she understands the potency of the seed. She understands all of life and how it works. So if we're, if we're really interested in the culture of death, no, we're not going to be interested in, in her. But if we're really interested in the culture of life and how, how we thrive and how we live on this planet in a way in which all beings thrive, all genders, all races, all animals, all creation thrives, then yes, tapping in to an archetype like the Kaliach is very important to be able to do. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, there's um, so much in that. And it, it, it brings to, you know, my awareness, the, you know, some, the, the whole kind of social media world and, and internet world of, of the experts, which really was at the root and the heart of a lot of our due diligence work coming out of the counter intel arena um, businesses came to us, you know, and asked us to, to do for them what we had done for the government. We didn't really see the connection at all. But what we discovered was a lot of what you're speaking to, which is it's so easy to make yourself out to be an expert. And there were real problems happening for businesses um, when they, they didn't have any sort of a discernment process in that. And that seems real like dry and, and compared to the richness that you're just talking about. But it, it it started to open up this whole inquiry around like what's really going on here and, and, and what are the, what are the um, perhaps the unintended consequences of, of moving into that space. And it led into, you know, when you have a child who who's in the public eye and there's certain aspects of social media and internet and business and stuff that all kind of link together. And one of the things that we talk about extensively in our home is, you know, what are you putting into the world? And when you choose to use a platform, to um, kind of vomit all of your insecurities and fears and heaviness and all this stuff to the world, in, in my estimation, it's irresponsible. And, and, and people treat it like their own kind of therapy, but they're doing it under the guise of empowerment and knowing something. And, um, you know, so we take real responsibility with making sure that the full experience has been held and the synthesis has occurred prior to using the story of it in a way that is is presented as being helpful to anybody right because otherwise it's just a mask for your own fear and insecurity as you're moving through it and, and we do you can feel that you know every time i log on to social media it's like my own little sociological experiment of like well what's what's happening in the world today you know and people not realizing everything they're broadcasting through how they choose to communicate and tell stories um, and, and that's something that, you know, we've just drilled into Neva is like, like when you, when you speak as that, you know, what are you, are you, are you putting good into the world or, or are you contributing to, um, the alternative? And, and certainly it goes way beyond putting on a happy face and everything, but it comes from the richness of truly living your existence and, and study and being and, and exploring, um, at the depth, certainly not the, the, the 20 year bard tradition, but, but it, taking as much ownership and accountability as you can in that processing. And, um, and that's what we shape all of our coaching and everything else around is making sure that there's accountability and transparency and growth and evolution and all, all, all everything you're speaking to. And so that's why I was laughing like, like this, this we could probably talk for days on, on the importance of really um, deconstructing some of what we're seeing in the world right now. Um, and to, I, I love that you added in the component of for sure I made mistakes for sure. I, I, I stepped on toes and hurt people. And for sure um, they, 
there there's value in um, both the forgiveness component of that, but making sure that you're using that toward an end, you know, that you're not throwing it out and hiding it and pretending it didn't happen, but rather making sure that means something, making sure that it wasn't in vain, making sure that you you're, you're learning the lessons and then integrating it rather than just repeatedly doing damage to people and, and not, not really seeing the connection or taking ownership of it. Um, So there's, there's, there's a lifetime of conversations in just that, that, that bit that you just shared. Um, I want to leave folks with the kind of the, the, the idea of, Two, two components it seem seem like we're saying opposite things but really they tie together nicely is is ha- is the value in having the courage to walk your path and to be in that and to explore and to to take yourself out of your comfort zone and to you know sometimes that means you know helping somebody who's who's just a couple steps behind you and and, and doing it even when you don't feel like you're ready and committing to the continued learning and the continued journeying and and I think there's a real um, delicate balance to be both um, the teacher and the student always and to be okay in what would seem to be a contradiction but really is is the nature of our existence um, what 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 would you like to add on to that maybe as we as we leave people on this episode well I think you know empowerment and find, having superpowers and these things we're talking about it's very important another piece to it I, I always know when I go to a sacred site, um, that I, I'm really going to get the most out of this when I'm humble, when I'm really humble. When, and humility really means being, not being less than who you are or being more than, than who you are, but being exactly who you are. So there's, so there's a piece of authenticity. So when you, when you use a word, you have to realize it's, it's a vibration, it's a sound. You know, I'm really, in this moment, I'm speaking to you, I'm sending you some sort of music that I hope in some way, you know, registers and, 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 and that your own internal world it works within you in some way. But our words really act as magic, if you think about it. There's what you can say, one word, and it, you can see it in... Um, all different kinds of different experiments when you like when you sing to a plant for instance and it and it blossoms and we have to remember that that when we speak to each other that's what we're doing all the time i'm going to i'm going to say i love you and maybe you blossom and you know and i might tell you a story and maybe oh that that excites something within you and then you run off and you and you create your own book or your own story your own tv show or whatever happens right so we can influence each other in ways that are incredibly positive and also if we notice that i'm off track or you're off track or something's not quite right we can share feedback and help each other grow in ways that are very constructive and so words words can be you know words are very powerful very, very powerful. There was, I had a, a teacher who used to say, um, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can kill you. And I can also say <laughs> words can really help you live, you know, so, so, so there's that part. But do you know what I mean? They're, they're very, we want to really, I mean, even today, if just for the next hour, we really think, what, what are our thoughts right now? You know, what, what are what are we writing in our journals? How am I speaking to my partner right now? What, what am I creating? You know, our words create the reality that we live into. I'll just leave you with that. I'll say it again. Our words create the reality that we live into. Mm, beautiful. Yes, yes. We call it spelling for a reason, folks. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more happening there than we're willing to face. So, so, so delightful to chat with you. I, 
I feel like we have a lot more conversations to unfold together. And, and I just really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom and the depth of your knowledge with our audience. Let, let's tell people again where they can go to find out more about you. Yes, you can go to my website. It's uh, A-Y-N is my first name, com, And Kate's is C-A-T-E-S and then Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N. So com, and you can find me on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Most bookstores um, will have me and I'm on all kinds of social media. So if you just want to go and listen to more wild Celtic tales then then you can go onto my website and, and look on media or audios and there there's lots there to listen to so thank you so much for having me on the show it was a real pleasure oh it was, it was my delight for sure and to all of you out there thank you so much for listening um we appreciate your loyalty and until next time go out uncover your superpowers and change the world take care everyone are you ready to discover your superpowers Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.